Hi, I'm Sherry Fellow, the founder of Bloombase. And I'm Allison Lochran, Bloombase partner in crime. Welcome to the Power To podcast. On this podcast, you will hear women discussing how, when, and why they feel powerful, and when they don't, how to get there. Power To is personal power, the ability to choose our own states and behaviors. Our intent with this podcast isn't just to have a great conversation. Our intent is really to create a space that opens up possibilities and may even change behaviors. So welcome to Power Two. I am Sherry Fella. And I'm Allison Lochran. And today on the Power Two podcast, we want to first thank again all of our listeners. The feedback continues to be just one, super helpful and super empowering and inspiring. And we just thank you for that. We also want to thank Kent in the utility room. He continues to make us sound so fabulous and coaching us along the way. And we're really thankful for all the guests we've already had and that we're ha- that we have coming up. So yeah. it's been just really awesome, all the engagement. So today we're talking about a topic Allison and I are both super passionate about, and that is female friendships. And I I can't wait to just dive in, Allison. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is definitely not a topic that we have sort of a middle-of-the-road attitude about, for sure. As we thought about what we wanted to talk about next and maybe who we would start to bring in to talk about it with from a guest standpoint, we were both just so fired up about this, and we were brainstorming through it. And then getting some direct signals from the universe about— we did. Yes, the correctness of our path and just bringing us along, pointing us— in this direction, indicating that we had made the right decision about this concept, the power in female friendships. Um, one of them being <laughs> this fantastic Instagram post from Dr. Tara Rye Trent. And if you have not ever listened to, followed, read anything by Dr. Tara Rye Trent, I highly recommend that you turn us off right now and maybe take two minutes to do that. Agreed. Because she's Agreed. fantastic. Um, she's a PhD from Zimbabwe, who now builds schools for children in Zimbabwe, and she's just fantastic. But she had posted this on her Instagram after Sherry and I had completely teed up our idea around our discussion about female friendships and how we want to talk about it with our own female friends on the podcast. And she introduced this concept called um, Sawira. And I'm going to read this direct quote from her, so I'm giving her this credit. This is not, not my text, but I'm going to read this to you about Sawira. In my culture, individuals always have a Sawira, a Shona word that translates to friend for life. Even in death, no dead person is buried without their Shawira. This friend for life is forever present in one's life. In death, a Shawira is present to make sure burial protocols and rituals for their dead Shahira are observed before their final departure on earth. But the Shahira's role transcends beyond burial and is cultivated as a powerful friendship, a relationship that creates a deep connection as it widens its web of female energy, which in turn sustains your work, family, and how you show up in the world. Each of us can be a Shawira, just as we look to others to fill that role for us. Uh, so good. It is. So good. It's such a great concept. I wish we had a word like that besides friendship. I know. Well, we do now. I'm going to start using I've already yeah. started using this word. I love it. Hello, Shawira. Hello. 
So what an honor to be called that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's incredible. Having that kind of a formal title around the depth of your friendship. I love mm. it that that exists. It probably exists in other other cultures too. I might yeah. need to do some research around that. And you know, we use the word sister mm. because I think we're searching for that word. And I love sister. I don't use that word lightly either. But right. this word. It's so powerful. so powerful. It's a different, it's a transcendence of friend and sister. Absolutely. There's so much about this quote I can unpack. Yeah. So we had talked about having this podcast around the power in female friendships. And this is something that, <laughs> so something that we're not going to have a lot of conflict around and differing opinions, <laughs> I don't believe, in no, our I conversations. Um, and, and something that I feel really passionate about and really want to talk about because I I feel like this is something that I do really well in my life, gathering fantastic groups of women around me for support and connection and fun and love, and also being able to create a web of those women that's also intermingled, as evidenced by Mm -hmm. you yourself recently meeting some of my friends in Phoenix, and just expanding that web and network of women that that I'm surrounded with in my life, and it's... It's been, I mean, frankly, my mainstay in my rock throughout most of my life as well. Phoenix, Portland, Indianapolis. Yeah, as someone who's witnessed you, I can vouch, yes. Not that you need me to. I'm just (laughs) here, here. Thank you. I agree. It's one of your your deepest roots. Yeah. So as much as I default to that, that community creation and female strength and long-term female friendship and female bonding— I'm also equally as passionate about the people that don't get to experience that and why or why not and trying to uncover some of those things, too, with women that I meet that don't maybe necessarily have that kind of connectivity in their life to female power and female friendship. Because I think female friendships are very powerful. So, um, tell me, so can we just pause there? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why is this important to you? Like, given that example you just gave, that it's your default and that it's powerful for you. What's the what's the soundbite for that? Why, why is why is the female relationships as we're going to talk about them today so important? I think because I have seen firsthand the power that they bring to your life, mm-hmm. bring to a life that I I have seen firsthand the power that female friendships do bring to your life, a life, and it started with my the way my mother taught us to be friends and Mm. the modeling that she gave us around creating communities of women. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely, definitely. It would be interesting to see what my sisters would say, but that was really her default as well. Mm. You know, wherever we lived, whatever group she joined, those, you know, there always became sort of a, a pocket of people from that group or that neighborhood where, they became friends and close friends, and sometimes those people overlapped, from mm-hmm. whether they were, you know, older friends and then with new friends from a new group she joined. And and while she was had a very strong relationship with my father, it didn't take second place to that relationship. It didn't wasn't it didn't supersede it. It wasn't like, oh, the women are more important, the men are right. secondary. It was very much on an equal playing field. It was just as important. But for different reasons. Yeah. And it was that was very clear that, mm. that she derived something different from it and that we did as children mm-hmm. as well. There was just such a sense of growing up in a, you know, a pack and a community and having that safe place where you could 
I mean, now I think back on it, probably they want, would, <laughs> just being a mother of a daughter now, I think oh, they probably wanted me to talk to them and share my feelings and what was happening in my life, which I did to some extent, but also just safety and, you know, knowing that you would be taken care of in places if your mom wasn't there and having that kind of bond outside of your family. Yeah. That you know that you've got some place in the world outside of your family where you'll mm-hmm. be taken care of. Mm-hmm. I just have that vivid memory. Yeah. That, you know, if I knew that I could reach Pat or Barb or people that my mom was close friends with, mm-hmm. that I would be fine. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where it started for you. Mm-hmm. And you saw that play out over and over again in your right. life. Yeah. Mm. Right. And I saw that the value that my mom derived from that too and how it fed her. You know, she didn't really talk about it. I just sort of saw it in, a, in her. In, a, in, in the, action. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. In the, you know, the joy that she would get from being around her friends and the the validation. As you know, I remember us all laying out by the pool and, you know, slathering baby oil, baby oil on ourselves. And just like the lightheartedness of them laughing about things or the intensity that they would gather and talk about things and sort of, you know, hash out what was going on. It was just interesting to watch. I mean, I observed it all the time because mm-hmm. I was so fascinated by how dialed into each other they tended to be. Mm-hmm. It was probably one of the few things that seemed so authentic about my mom. Everything mm-hmm. else seemed very mysterious. Like, she had this whole inner life that I probably wasn't privy to a great deal of. But that felt very open and authentic, mm-hmm. her friendships and the the value that she got from them and the the love that she had for the women in her life and how that's that they sustained her. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That like just flew out of my head. Just it's FYI. <laughs> like yeah, really, I think it's I just that was a total realization. It was like hmm, interesting. So that was my experience. What was your experience like that's that's really allowed you to sort of build this similar level of powerful female friendships in your life. Where does that come from? I actually think I came about this by mistake Um, (laughs) because I had such a strong mother. I had two really strong grandmothers, but I also had really strong grandfathers and a a dad who both played equal roles, but what my, in many ways, played equal roles um, in terms of just how they took care of family, who works, who didn't. And because my mother was so strong before I really knew what that was, mm-hmm. it actually scared me, I think, about how's how's that going to create connection with people? You know, I was the introverted kid who wanted harmony, so I think I didn't know how to handle that strength because mm-hmm. I didn't feel strong. But what my parents did teach us, my siblings and I talk about this a lot, actually, is even though we had a really large family system— very supportive, very tightly connected. My parents always role modeled the importance of friends in their life, mm-hmm. both of them. And it wasn't until I was older, on my own, developing my own relationships, that I started to really gravitate towards women who were doing things I either wanted to do or didn't know much about, but I felt more comfortable with them than men who I was surrounded by a lot because they told her brothers and sports right. and all that stuff. But... um so that's what I mean by by saying I stumbled on it by mistake. I don't think it was as much in the forefront as your childhood it was because there was so much connectivity of friends with my mom. My mom and dad still hang out with friends right. they have from grade school and high school, yeah. you know? So 
both both parents taught me that. I think going forward, though, when I really learned the power of women friendships, I've always known how meaningful they were. But the power of them was going through my divorce. Mm. Like when I really needed strength and belief in me when I had none of myself, like that, I think it was a real pivotal point in my mid-30s where I was like, oh, I get it now. Right. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. As as you said that, I remember really having a great sense of relief that my girlfriends were there for me during that time, Mm. for me as well, going through divorce, and then also having children. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, That was even just as much as my mom contributed to that support and relief. It was also it's a different dynamic with your girlfriends who are in it for sure at the same time. Mm-hmm. That seems late too, though, to me as you yeah. as you tell tell that story to be like, okay, yeah, now I get it. Now I really get it. I really get it. Yeah, it wasn't that I didn't have. I have. I also have close mm-hmm. friends, girlfriends from high school, yeah, college. I mean, I played on a volleyball team. You know, so those are still very important figures. But where I I really had to rely on that power source, I think that was probably at least in my mind. That's what stands out the most Mm -hmm. as the most pivotal. You know, one of the things I was thinking about as I was thinking through this conversation with you, too, is how our experiences might have been a little different because—and you touched on it, Mm -hmm. having um, brothers. Uh, Because I grew up in such a system of women with two sisters, you know, three sisters. And, you know, at any given time, it was mostly women. My dad, who was very present, but— you know, was a doctor, worked a lot of long hours when I was younger, especially, and had a lot of male friends, like your parents. My mm-hmm. parents both did things with their friends separately. They did things as a couple yeah. with their couple friends. But he definitely didn't have that support system. And, you know, obviously he worked full-time. My mom didn't work full-time till we were much older, till we were in high school. So I didn't see him in that yeah, unit that makes like sense. I did my mom that either. So it really occurred to me just now, just to me, it, I default to the idea that, like, women have these circles. <laughs> I didn't really think about men having them too, which I'm sure your dad does. Probably your brothers do. Like, they're, you know, of course. fraternity brothers. Or it, yeah. My context was so female growing up that all the time. That makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and now, like, as we think about these kind of friendships, let's use us as an example, Mm -hmm. maybe. What is the importance of it now that we are, like, well, I'll speak for myself, now that I'm in the know. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I understand, oh, my God, I don't even know if I could get through a day without my band of sisterhood. Right. Sawi Raz, (laughs) as they're now going to be known. Sawi Raz. Um, you know, I'm going to digress at this point. As you said, Sawira, again, I was staying in Detroit this week for work, and there was a convention of a sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha. It's a historically um, African-American female sorority. Yeah. They were having a regional convention. So there were, I think they said there were 4,000 women in the hotel. Wow. It's a huge hotel in downtown Detroit. And they call each other Soar. They're like Soar Fella, Soar Lochran, which is French for sister. Ugh. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, yeah. When I was getting on off the elevator, they're like, Soar, Soar. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just so delightful. And that they still call each other that, even though they're not collegians anymore. I love that. They call each other that as alumni. I thought that was neat. So so you and I, if we think about the specialness of that name, or Sawira, or sister, we, we both have lots of friends. Mm-hmm. There's only a few people I would actually put in the category of 
Sawira or right. sister or body barriers. <laughs> That's one of my categories. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I feel honored to have that mm. small core. I'd feel honored to have one. But what is the difference between, you know, good friends and like that pack? You know, as I think about it, I also think too, I have people like that in my different packs mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. It's not like one group is that group. Right. Like there is that group, which I'd like to give a shout out to the VIVs, my little small group. But there's mm -hmm. also so many people that I've met from different times and places in my life, like mm -hmm. you, case in point, that become that. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not the whole group, but it's maybe one or two people from that group that you yeah. develop what, that deep connection with. So is that it, the deep connection? I think it thing? is. I think it just has something yeah. to do with that different level of connectivity that whether you're that where sort of a lot of different stars align versus, you know, a couple things and that you tend to make specific time for each other versus mm -hmm. just being part of the whole when, you know, a certain group gathers, um, that you just develop something different because of whether it's, you know, a shared connection with children or a shared connection over, you know, the same place that you are in work or the same type of ambition that you have or the same... Mm -hmm type of passions you have that something else besides of what brought you together mm -hmm. makes you go deeper. Yeah. I love the action of deeper. Mm -hmm. So as, we, as I was thinking about this this past couple of weeks, you know, knowing this topic was coming up between you and I, I was thinking about that for myself. Like, what is it? Because I value the friendships I have for sure. They come in all different forms. And yet the deepness of that close pack for me is just that. And it's not even longevity of friendship. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not um even that we might even have anything in common anymore. It's that the thing we do have in common, I guess, is our ability to just trust each other with the messiness of our lives. Yes. And yes. You, you know, the mess like the and I mean messes that can be both large and small. Like, I fell down a flight of stairs, too. <laughs> right. I'm really ashamed of what I'm holding right now in my heart for this person. Or, oh, man, I just feel so awful about myself right now. You know, right. whatever those. So I was thinking about that a lot because I think those are the people that continue to grow with me. Right. Yes. That is, that. I think that's core that is that is a core attribute that you can continue to grow and appreciate who you become mm. throughout your life. Yeah. Especially for those long-term friends, that's absolutely key. I I often say I don't understand why I can't achieve that in an opposite sex relationship. Yeah. Because I'm so good at it in my same sex relationships that right. I, I mean, I'm not especially my high school girlfriends, we're not the same people that we were in high school. Right. But we have been so extended each other so much grace in our relationships to grow and become different people and accept that. And I think the other pieces and to do that with no without mm -hmm. judgment mm -hmm. about who we become, what our choices are, that when you can sit in that place with those people, when you find those people that you know are coming from that place, mm -hmm. that they're like, this is you. Yes. You make the choices you make. I'm good with it. Yeah, I understand. I make choices too, 
and we can accept those things and love each other yeah. through it, despite it, on top of it, around it. That You and I have talked about this a lot, just the space to just be, to not be judged or fixed or um, or anything other than believed in and held. You know, like just— I, I guarantee you a ton of people just went, yes, believed in and held. Even that's when you, so true. especially when you don't believe in yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's why I went to that pivotal moment of divorce because that was such a time in my life where I thought— I am never going to do, any, to do anything well again. Like that's just <laughs> was the pit of despair I was right. in, and and I can go there quickly around other things as well, depending on how they hit me emotionally. But it's always that pack that says, "I get, I hear you saying that. I get it. Feels that way, and I just want you to know how I see you, how I experience you in my life." So I get how you're feeling about you. I just want to remind you how I'm feeling about you, mm-hmm. and I'm like how you impact me. Thank you. Right. So, I, you know, that's what believed in means to me. Witnessed, I mm-hmm. think, is a powerful word. Witnessed. Exactly. They're not scared to look at the messy, but they also don't need to feel the need to clean it up. Right. Right. They'll help you if you ask, but they're not going to rush you along because mm-hmm. it's hard for them to look at. Or, does that make sense? Yes. Right. They're just wanting to sit. Sit on your couch and stare at it with you. Yeah. Because what I've noticed, I wonder how you feel about this. This is a question and maybe a statement is I've noticed those relationships. Relationships are hard for me to let go of. They always will be. It's kind of a fellow trait, I think. Um, Another podcast topic. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and there's a few I'm sitting in sadness about right now. And I really struggle with oftentimes what is my work? What is theirs? How much do you reach in? How much, you know, like all those things. But I think I get really clear about it when I understand, okay, am I standing in my truth? Am I accepting me? And because accepting me doesn't mean I'm repelling them. Right. And and sometimes I I think I confuse myself by thinking, well, if I own my space, I'm pushing others out. No, I might be having them have to look at their own space and own it, and they mm-hmm. might not be ready to, so they have to leave. Do you experience that? I mean, is that a struggle for you, that line of when you're letting people go? Because I'm struck by Dr. Trent's mention of death. I want to talk with mm-hmm. you about that. But do you struggle with that letting go piece and what your role is or not once those no. people are in that space with you? You know, <sighs> Honestly, I really don't. Guys, this is why you're in my say? life. No, it's not. Ter- <laughs> no, there's I, no judgment here. I feel like maybe it takes me longer to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But when I get there, I'm done. Really? I'm so able. How to, do you know that? To go. I think because I I can think of one very specific incident, incidents of a friendship that I was just like, okay, I understand how you feel that way. And. This is how I feel, and if this doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because I'm this, and that's that's what I am. Yeah, because uh, I, I think to get to that point, I, you know, do some soul searching and mm. try to sort of, you know, pulse myself. Am I doing something because I think I'm supposed to, or am I doing something out of spite, or am I doing something? You know, that's detrimental to me, not just to the friendship, you know, just, I guess, working yeah. through that stuff before. And then when I get to that place, I'm when just You get so, to clarity, I'm you're clear. done. Gosh, I get to—I cl- have to get to clarity over and over again, I think. 
Yeah, because when I think of Dr. Trent's quote, that's part about even in death, no dead person is buried. It made me think, you know, what about the people that that stay in your heart and soul? You're grateful they entered your life, but they're not really in your life anymore. Mm-hmm. So it just made me, I read that her quote several times, just thinking, oh, you know, death isn't always, they're still on the planet. They're just, it's the death of their role in my life. Right. Um, and I think that's really helpful to think of it that way when you talk about the flow of people in and out of your life. And I feel like each year I get a little more graceful with the flow, but it's still really hard for me. That's why you're in my life, Allison, so you can teach me these things. Mm. One of many reasons. <laughs> To be able to let someone go with love and grace, I think, is the ultimate gift. Oh. I really, I do, because if you're hanging on when it's no longer working and, you know, use me, for example, and I'm suffering through it, what what good am I doing anyone, right? right? Including myself. Mm-hmm. So I think it's what I mean by the ultimate act is of self-love for sure and certainly love for them to not want to continue to torture them in right. any way. Right, them, right. So, you know, we've talked about this before, too. It feels like the trajectory of this to go from, you know, how you're learning. Your, yours was in childhood seeing these awesome role models of women relationships and then starting to have our own relationships and what that looks like, which for me immediately was about being liked and accepted, not knowing who I was and accepting myself first. To now be in this chapter where, oh, man, I'm really trying to accept myself and own my space because it's the only one anyone else can do the same. Right. It just seems to make that small group more clear if they get that, too. Right. You know, so I think the gift of being able to see that, whether they have it or not, or whether you have it with each other, is actually really a gift. It's something I'm I'm jealous of. That's true. That you have. So I, I think what we're talking about in terms of the letting go is important for women to understand, in particular women, because I think we feel pressure to be nice. Mm-hmm. And nice is not kind. Our intention might be to not hurt someone, but we're absolutely hurting them and ourselves to just not be honest. Right. So Dr. Bernie Brown has this quote that says, clear is kind, unclear is not kind. I love, yeah. I love many of her quotes from her work, but man, that is one of my favorites. Right. Because I hear people say a lot, well, I can't tell Allison that. I'll hurt her feelings. That's bullshit. You're not telling her that because you're not brave enough to. Right. So I just think it's really important we have the conversation so people start to really focus on themselves so they can be in that space with other people. Right. But I think it's, it's hard work, too. Oh, my said. gosh. Even exactly. In, I think it's especially— Any relationship we're right. having. Is, yeah. I think it's especially hard with— people that you really love. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's also necessary to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I've had conflicts in friendships, that what comes from that, probably in any relationship, what mm-hmm. comes from that tends to be stronger. It, it tends to either completely go away, like that we just cannot survive the conflict, or mm-hmm. it becomes something stronger and more open oh, and man. even yeah. more— Solid because yes. we know that we can work something out, have God. the hard conversations, and love each other through it. You went through the dark forest together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I think that's so true. And and again, so this so back to our theme. Like I think this is why having women that are willing to go to those places in your life helps give you strength mm-hmm. and power. 
that's such a great feeder to you as a woman. Yeah. In a society that tries to negate any kind of power <laughs> that, yeah. that you try to have, you yeah. know, it's to have that that back behind you, yeah. to have someone who has your back, to have a group of people that has your back, to have backing in that way and to, to model those behaviors with them that make you a little bit braver in the other places that you show up. My God, that's so true. It's like the power to get up again. Yeah. For sure. Like they're the only light maybe you can see. Mm-hmm. And I mean, seriously, we're in those spaces. I don't know about you. I don't even believe what they're saying, but I believe enough in them that they believe it that I'll just go along with it till I figure it out for myself. Do you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Right. Like, I agree. So that power to have those female friendships, man, it is it is a source of limitless power mm-hmm. to overcome, to begin again. To, yeah, begin again. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's it's such a great safe place to model mm-hmm. some of the behaviors that you need elsewhere. Yeah. In those friendships and to have your your strength and intelligence validated and, you know, just to have that safe, safe place. So what do you think gets in the way? Because you and I have both been in spaces, particularly in the business world. I know we always come back to that, but that's where we spend most mm-hmm. of our lives. Right. Where we see that not play out. Where we see that unhealthy modeling of women <sighs> relationships. What okay. What do you think drives that, and what gets in the way? So the, I could just, I I could just do this whole podcast long because I have so many strong feelings about all of the topics that we've Feel thrown, free. thrown I'm out. Here. I'm happy to listen. I know. Did I just hit a trigger? That's great. Yes, fantastic. It did go for That's it? That's so true. Oh my god, my amygdala just went. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> uh, so when I first started working. For the company I work for now, it was very interesting to me when I finally started doing some different um, pitches with female partners. I didn't run into a female partner probably for a solid year that I was working very specifically with on a specific pitch, a project. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a solid year, if not longer. And I thought, oh my gosh, this, you know, I'm going to work with this woman. It's going to be really exciting because I'm such a, you know, I'm a girl power girl. <laughs> And I'm not kidding, the first meeting we had, not only did this woman not go out, I mean, I don't expect anyone to go out of their way to be friendly or to support me or be, right, you right. know, a champion of mine by any stretch, especially someone I haven't earned anything with. But what she did was go out of her way to be difficult to me. Yeah. It was oh. so shocking to me. Oh. I, I almost want to sit through the meeting with my mouth hanging open mm-hmm. and just cutting me off questioning very simple things I said. It was just sort of flabbergasted. And I, my experience with women partners that were of a certain age, mm-hmm. certain generation, not my generation, the one ahead of me, who have now started to transition out, there was very much a mentality of, I got to this place on my own, probably scratching and clawing mm-hmm. through this male-dominated firm, mm-hmm. And so, therefore, you will also do the same, and I will not help you. Yeah. But now, as that, I think that attitude is changing, and the women that are partners um, that are my generation, my age, and younger are much more inclusive. But to watch that when I first came in, especially coming from the place that I do, which is so inclusive of women and so um, surrounded by supportive women, it was such a contrast yeah. and shocking. Yeah. It, was, it stood out so starkly. For sure. And, you know, having talked and worked with many of those women, it's interesting when you ask that question of them. I don't know if you have. I'd be interested to know what you hear. And what I I tend to hear from them is 
exactly what you said. That's what we were taught. And so even though it doesn't seem that way, I'm actually trying to help you because that's what I think you still need to get where I am. That's exactly the answer I get. Yeah. And then the second answer I get is, oh, I'm not even aware of that. But I know there's only one seat at the table for a woman. So I've worked hard to get here. You're not getting it. Like that can can be some of it. I think that's a smaller piece of it, though. I think actually most women were just—and I'm not, you know— excusing or trying to enable more bad behavior. I just, it's interesting to me to unravel the stories Mm -hmm. that had people get there, you know, to that kind of style and behavior behavior and mindset around Mm -hmm. it. So, yeah. So, okay. So one way, one thing that gets in the way is just maybe what our experience was. What else do you think gets in the way of people really being able to have the power to build these kind of relationships that are so vital to you and I? You know, I ask myself that a lot, too, because I I feel very sad when I run into women, whether it's personally or in business, that are very specifically not connected to women for one reason or another. Right. A lot of times it's because they think women are judgmental, they think women are catty, they think women are too dramatic, or, you know, are always fighting. You know, when you meet women that are that will flat out say that, oh, I don't have a lot of female friends because it's just, Mm -hmm. it's too much, too much drama. It's too much this. I I feel very sad for those women. And I, just in my own experience with the people that I have known that have been in that place, part of it is being burned on a relationship from a woman that's Mm -hmm. like one person's done that to them. Therefore, the door is closed, right? The door is closed going forward to women, you know, not putting themselves in a position where a woman could hurt them in that way again. Mm-hmm. So they're given they're given all their power away. Yeah, that's a great point. To a story that isn't even true anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Right, or is very old, very old story. Mm-hmm. I hear that often. Well, you know, I had this one friend, and she, blah, 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 and so therefore I just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I hear the most often. It's mm-hmm. the most common theme I don't hear anything much more unusual than that. So do you have a different experience? I don't know that different, I guess, maybe an add to would be I do hear drama attached to that. Or I'll hear, you know, some women leaders, in fact, some of our close friends will admit to saying this before they went through experiences mm. with us, mm. is I just want to sit around and talk about being a woman and being emotional and being dramatic and what I find when people unravel that is, is they really haven't done their own self-discovery. So what I find gets in the way is that they just haven't been open themselves. So therefore, no one else has been open with them. But they're not aware enough enough to know that. So their story gets cast on someone else instead of them having a mirror, which is why we, I mean, that's why I need a village. I have so many blind spots. Right. <laughs> like, I need help with them constantly. So right. I think they don't know what they don't know. And they don't know it's them getting in the way. I mean, the relationships you and I are talking about, our relationship, the reason it is so meaningful and so deep and requires so much work is because it's reciprocal. Mm-hmm. No one person is ever carrying all the weight for long. Doesn't right. mean there aren't episodes of that, right? Sure. But Like in any relationship. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I just find that pattern being around those women and, and really anyone who doesn't have a broad base of relationships, deep ones, that seems to be a pattern that I notice around their own self-awareness. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. 
So that'd be the thing I think gets most in the way. You know, he always comes back to us. That's right. <laughs> you think it's everybody else, but it always yeah. comes back to you. And the drama thing. Can we talk about that? Because I know this is a push button for you mm-hmm. and I both. When I've heard people say that over the years, and I hear it a lot, I especially hear it from men leaders. Why are women so emotional? Yes. Why are they so dramatic? And I, I literally used to not be able to hear that word without wanting to, like, crawl across the desk and throw a punch somebody. <laughs> because it would get attached to women when the men were way more emotional. Does that make sense? They uh, just yes, expressed, They just expressed emotions they deemed acceptable. Right. Um, like anger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Frustration, annoyance, blah, blah, right. blah. And so what I started doing instead of debating it was asking questions about, how's oh, Interesting you said that. Why would you attach those words? What do they mean to you? What are some examples? And they would hardly ever be able to explain them. It just, I just found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. They were just so conditioned to attach that to something that made them uncomfortable. Right. Again, pointing at someone else, no self-awareness, you know, like that loop again. But I think that's, for me, that's how it showed up when those words are attached. How about for you? I think that where I was going when when you said that, you know, women are accused of being dramatic, emotional. I feel like it's just because we actually allow our space to express emotions in a business environment, to express that, and even something besides, I I would say emotions in general. Like, I don't even see a lot of men in, in, in the spaces I've been in even express that much anger. They're just not right. They're just Flatlined. not really allowing any authenticity about how they're feeling yeah. to come in. I love that word. Can we just clarify when you say emotion, you're not saying emotional. No, it's not emoting. Any emotion. It's like being real. It could be it's happiness like, too. Yes, exactly. It could be joy. I, I just wanted I, to clarify. I mean, the amount of times where I've actually said to someone, you can you can be happy about that actually. <laughs> you know, like it's this it's it's any emotion yeah. at all. I love that. At all. So I think that when women are who are very able to do that. Some women don't because they're in a system that they know they can't, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, your corporate environment, whether it's your home environment, that it's not a safe place to express emotion. But if you're in a system where you feel like you can and you're, you've expressed emotion, I think you just get tagged as someone who's so emotional. Yeah. Just because you are actually human, human. and letting your actual human emotions show yeah. through that you are having an emotion at the time that you're having it. That's so fair. Yeah. So, Allison, we've both mentioned that, you know, relationships for us worth having require work. Mm-hmm. So when I hear people say, ah, those deep, those deep connections, they just require so much work. What would you say to that? I think that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of work I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Because what I get out of it, what I get back from it, what it— how it feeds me over and over again, it's so worth it. Yeah. I think that's true, again, in any relationship. It's totally worth it. I think that in order to maintain something that's that good, you do have to focus on it. It's why you have coaching at work. That you have to give it that focus and you have to give it that energy in order for it to continue to be good. Yeah. And strong and powerful. I've noticed that I sometimes describe it hard work, too. I really think it doesn't feel like work. I mean, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. Like, I love what you just said. It's the stuff. It's the work I want to do. It's how I want to spend my time. It's how I learn. It's how I want to be seen. It's how I want to show up. I think work makes it seem like something it's not. Right. Like, I might even have to start noticing that. But See, I disagree. It wasn't the word work that bothered me. It was hard. 
Ah. So I was like, oh, that's I, even better. I don't describe it as hard. It, yeah. It's work. It's effort. It's But effort. I don't think it's hard. Love that. I would want the people that I love to think that they're worth it. Yeah. And I would want someone to put that effort into me. Yeah. And to show me that I'm worth it to them, too. Well, I appreciate you showing me that. I appreciate you showing me that. <laughs> as we talked about this topic, um, we actually talked about it with a group of women we were having dinner with, too. Mm-hmm. And talking about the importance of maintaining that connectivity as a group of women. And on the way home, got an email as I was riding in my Uber. And it was like another sign from the universe that we're on the right path and that we're talking about the right things and that we need to get it out into the universe. Nice. So it was from... Um, a woman that I've met who I follow on social media now who is a great empowerer of women. Um, her name's Lux. You can find her at LuxATL on Instagram. And she had this whole post about the power of women embracing other women. And so this quote, just I wanted to like cheer in my Uber. I know I would have scared the heck out of this guy. But it's so perfect for this topic. So what she said was, your shine does not diminish mine. Your greatness does not diminish mine. In fact, your greatness might make mine even better. And so that's why, if you're a badass, I am not afraid of you. I want you. I love you. I celebrate you. I love that. Oh, that's so good. Thank you, Lux. Thank you, Lux. And as we leave today, what we hope you all that are listening get out of this is how can you celebrate you and the women around you? Maybe you explore how you want to deepen the relationship with yourself. Start a new relationship with someone. Find the courage to do that. Find the courage to let go of something that isn't working for you. And that you continue on your power to journey. Mm -hmm.